Could the Baltimore Ravens be suitors for both Mike Evans or Chris Godwin if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers decide to move on from them? We talk about that. Which domino could fall first between the offensive coordinator search and Lamar Jackson? Also celebrating the 2000 and 2012 Ravens with a trip down memory lane. All coming up next here on this episode of Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Ravens Podcast, your daily Baltimore Ravens Podcast. I'm your host. Kevin Ostrucker of Ravenswire, thank you so much for being here with us, tuning in, and making us your first listen of the day. We're free and available on all podcasting platforms. It also includes over on YouTube in video form. And today's episode of Locked on Ravens is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash Locked on NFL. And we're back here rounding out the week, a Friday episode we're going to be talking with Kadri Ismail of course former Baltimore Ravens wide receiver and Super Bowl champion about if the Ravens could be potential suitors for if Mike Evans or Chris Godwin is moved by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers after Tom Brady's retirement we'll talk a bit about dominoes and which domino could fall first between the offensive coordinator and Lamar Jackson for the Ravens then we'll also take a trip down memory lane talking about those 2000 Ravens and those 2012 Ravens, that's today, is the 10-year anniversary of the 2012 team winning that Super Bowl on February 3rd, 2013. And obviously the 2000 Ravens having the Boys of Baltimore documentary put out as we interviewed the co-directors yesterday, Ken and Jason. So again, if you haven't looked at that episode, be sure to check that out. And also, if you're new to us or just coming back to the channel, be sure to like and subscribe to the channel also turn notifications on in video form and also in audio form. Be sure to follow along Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. We're here for you five days a week. Ravens news analysis updates. We have you covered even five days a week in the offseason. So let's dive into a bunch of conversation with Kaji Ismail. We are back here. It is a very special edition of Locked on Ravens and here to talk with me about many things that happened both in 2000, 2012, and also these current day Ravens here today is former Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Super Bowl champion, Kadri Ismail. And Q, there's a lot of discourse around this Ravens team, the offensive coordinator search and Lamar Jackson and everything that's going on. But now we have the Pro Bowl games going on. And then next week, obviously, the Super Bowl that unfortunately doesn't feature the Ravens, but should still be a pretty good match with Philadelphia and Kansas City. Well, I think from a Super Bowl aspect of things, I guess the league is is pretty happy because you got two teams, uh, one on the East Coast and one kind of West Coast-ish. You know, they obviously Midwest, but uh, playing the AFC West. And it's two quarterbacks, I think, from my perspective, two uh, black men, two African-American men who will be the starting quarterbacks. That is historic for uh, my viewpoint and I think is fascinating. So uh, a lot of cool storylines and and should be another fun game to, uh, to look at and, and check out. Man, speaking of Super Bowls, we will be talking about the 2000 Ravens and the 2012 Ravens in the final segment. So be sure to stay tuned for that conversation. But Q, first, in this first segment, I know look, the wide receiver conversation, we've, we've talked about it, you and I, so much over the course of our time together. And 
there's been, I think, more and more names beginning to surface as maybe guys who could be moved on from from other teams. And obviously big news this week was the Tom Brady retirement and just what that means for Tampa Bay, what mm-hmm. comes next for Tampa Bay. And so Tampa, in terms of what their salary cap is, they they don't have a lot to work with. They are in very deep water salary cap wise, and that could maybe make them move on from a couple of veterans that I think have been very productive for them. And that could be the wide receiver position. You look at guys like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Now in terms of Evans and Godwin, first you got to figure out the salary cap stuff, $13 million base salary for Mike Evans at 29 years old. Then you have Chris Godwin at 26 years old. Yeah. She has a $20 million cap hit in 2023. And then one more year on top of that at 20 million in 2024 in terms of their base salaries, Based off of either of those guys, you know, would you want a Mike Evans in Baltimore? Would you want a Chris Goblin in Baltimore? Is that enough in terms of what the Ravens would need and what we've been talking about is that, like, go-get-it guy, that number one guy for the Ravens? I think both guys can be a tremendous asset for what the Ravens need. Um, I think uh, you can't miss on either one of them. I, I, I maybe slightly favor um, Mike Evans only because of the the history of the injury with the knee um, with with uh, Mike Godwin. I think with you know Evans, his catch radius and his ability from a deep ball aspect of things, um, that would be something that would be awesome to see here in Baltimore. His red zone um, ability to go up and, and snatch the ball out of the air both from the right side and left side um, is tremendous. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I like both of them. I, I think Chris Godwin is awesome. And Mike Edwins or Mike Evans can certainly, uh, you know, be major assets for what the, the Ravens need as a wide receiver. Right. And, and it, I think for them, we've talked about just so much how much they need that guy, that number one pure option. And we talked even last week, Q, about how, hey, look, if you have Rashad Bateman is like your number two guy, like your 1A type player almost, if you have a guy like a, a Mike Evans or Chris Godwin or DeAndre Hopkins, I think that would just make this offense so much more dangerous. But then it comes down to not only the salary cap number, but then the draft compensation that maybe Tampa would want for a player such as Evans or such as Godwin. Now, the key for Baltimore here is that obviously they don't have a second-round pick after the acquisition of Roquan Smith. So are these two players, Q, that you would give up a first-round pick for in Evans and Godwin? And are you at the point now where you're just saying, hey, as long as the Ravens get that number one wide receiver option, do you not care what it takes? And you say, hey, you know what, that first-round pick's on the table? Go out there and give it for a guy like Mike Evans. Well, I mean, I I, I definitely think the, the model of what the Ravens do compared to what Kadri is thinking is is far different. I mean, because I think, you know, I'm going to do what I need to do to win now with the talent that I have. But I think with the Ravens, they covet um, draft capital. Um, the, the interesting note is that you hadn't really in your history uh, developed a first round wide receiver. And so, yeah, I think if you know, maybe you did maybe a future first round uh, pick, maybe not this year's draft, maybe even a conditional pick, depending upon how well, you know, one of those two guys can do, Chris or Mike. Um, that's a consideration. But, you know, that, that you know, giving up a first round pick, um, that's just not their MO. Now, again, as I said, you know, their lack of developing a guy, I would think, you know, okay, well, Here's a guy, here are two 
guys that, you know, yeah, they have number one, number one A type mentality. Um, and they would, you know, instantly work. Whereas, you know, you would have to see who is talented in this year's receiving pool and how well can they, you know, get caught up to speed. You know, we, we, we know that, um, rookies were going to have a, a huge rookie curve and why receivers usually are not so easily, uh, able to just, you know, blend in and, and, and adapt to the pro game. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a gamble, but I think it would be a very calculated and smart gamble in my opinion. Yeah. And there's so many ways this can go in terms of just what the Ravens are looking for to give up, how much money they want to take on. And so I want to do a bit of a hypothetical cue with either Mike Evans or Chris Godwin or DeAndre Hopkins, guys we've talked about throughout the course of the season. I know we talked about DeAndre Hopkins a little before the offseason started, but it feels like with DeAndre Hopkins, he might not be able to fetch a first round pick for the Cardinals just based off of age and contract and whatever else. Still a very talented wide receiver and would be that guy for the Ravens. But would you, if you're the Ravens, you talk about the MO, and I agree with you, they just they haven't given up first for a lot of different reasons. But would you rather have a Mike Evans, you know, a 29-year-old guy for that first rounder, Chris Godwin, 26 for that first rounder, or would you take a DeAndre Hopkins for maybe two third rounders or a third and a fourth rounder? But they all have around the same cap hits. I mean, Mike Evans around, you know, that 14. DeAndre Hopkins, I, be I believe the base salary is 19 there. Which option is more appealing to you for the Ravens? DeAndre Hopkins is a complete receiver, can run every route in the route tree, uh, has strong run after catch. Um, Mike Evans has this big play explosive capability. Um, you know, his size, he can he can out physical you. Uh, he had some weird kind of drops and all that this year. Chris Godwin um, is is kind of in between both of them, you know, young, up and coming. Really, has shown himself to be uh, a good, strong, you know, route runner himself. Uh, can make the contested catch too, but uh, each one has their unique skill set. I I don't know. Um, I would say DeAndre Hopkins. I would say DeAndre Hopkins, but a close Mike Evans second and. I would not be mad if you gave me Chris Godwin to line up opposite of Bateman. Yeah, and I, I'm that is exactly my order too. And, and I think for Godwin, people underrate him in the fact that you know he wasn't a hundred catch guy last season. He had over a thousand yards last year. The knee injury that you talked about, Q, obviously that's a factor in terms of what's the risk situation when it comes to that. But I still think with the Ravens, and I honestly think out of all these guys, the more realistic option is probably DeAndre Hopkins because with what you talked about with them probably not wanting to part with a first round pick, especially when they don't have a second round pick on top of that right now. Maybe they do decide go all, to go all in. And again, if I think you, if you sign Lamar Jackson in that extension, I think this would be the off season to maybe make that all in move to go alongside that, especially with maybe the first and second year cap hits and whatever that deal is being a little bit on the lower side. So you can kind of spread the money out as you want to. So I think for Hopkins, if you can give up two thirds for him, plus you can take a first round corner, let's say, plus you can sign Lamar Jackson, maybe, I think that could be, I think that's probably the ideal offseason for a lot of people for this Ravens team. But coming up, we'll talk a bit about the domino situation, which dominoes could fall before the others in terms of the offensive coordinator, Lamar Jackson, and what that means. So be sure to stay tuned for that. Still lots to dive into on the show.
But first, this episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. And as a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals and free. I've used LinkedIn for a ton of things throughout the course of my life. And LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. They go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post company and their 875 million member profile files to put your job in front of the most qualified candidates. You can identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn jobs and connect with them fast and for free. LinkedIn jobs makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based off your job qualifications all on one platform. And if you want to achieve goals in 2023, the right team member could really push you and help you do that. It's wise ball business right in LinkedIn jobs, number one in delivering quality hires, roasting competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash lockdown NFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash lockdown NFL to post your job for free. So conditions apply. We return our second segment of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Oshak is still here with Kadri, Ismael, and Q. All of the discourse surrounding the Ravens right now, it's either offensive coordinator, Lamar Jackson, or the wide receiver position. We covered the wide receiver position in the first segment, so we, we won't have to do that again in the second segment. But in terms of which could come first, either offensive coordinator or Lamar Jackson extension, I feel like both have implications on the other, especially with what we heard from John Harbaugh and Eric DeCasse at their end-of-season press conference, saying that, you know, he's talked to Lamar about the offensive coordinator situation and what that could mean moving forward. But again, I think, you know, if you're an offensive coordinator, this could be hinged to, hey, am I going to have Lamar Jackson? Or am I going to have to have a rookie guy? Is there going to be a bridge quarterback there? For Lamar Jackson, it's what offensive system would I be coming back to if I do end up signing a deal with the Ravens? So Q, which domino do you, maybe just like a gut feeling, a hunch feeling, which one do you feel like could fall first? And which one do you think is more important to fall first for the Ravens? It's either Lamar Jackson signing or the offensive coordinator? Yeah. Ho, 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 ho. Lamar Jackson. I mean, come on. You get Lamar Jackson signed, you know, my God, the, the everything else just like, you know what you're doing, salary cap, you know what you want to do as far as, you know, even the offense, the, the coordinator, the, the free agents, you know, you got to convince guys to sign here too. It ain't like, you know, you just, hey, here's some money, take it. I'm like, all right, I, I want to play more than just one year and I ain't trying to be next year's salary cap casualty. I want to know, you know, who, who you got why you got and what's the plan moving forward. So I can you know, potentially get another contract. When you look at the coordinator, um, I think it's cool that, yeah, they're, they're, you know, certainly looking at everyone and, and no stone unturned and Dallas quarterback um, coach, I guess, apparently he was, you know, in the mix, Eric Bieniemy, um, the, Offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs. He's been talked about. Uh, the guy up in Seattle, quarterback coach, he's been talked about and had, I guess, a second meeting. So there's a lot of of back and forth with the Ravens and a different, you know, look at the different guys that are available, which is great. I think if you look at the bigger picture, yeah, you get yourself a, a Lamar Jackson signing. It makes everything a lot easier. It does. And it, it all falls into place, especially salary cap wise, where Q, there's been all this conversation about the franchise tag and Lamar. We've talked about it here, the two of us. But the, the numbers came out. You know, we now have some numbers to kind of work with where the non exclusive franchise tag would be $32 million. That's a one year fully guaranteed deal if Lamar signs it. 
If you go the exclusive route, if you're the Ravens, that number jumps up to around 45 million. And again, how that's determined is the top five salaries for that year at, at each position. So for quarterback, you know, you're talking to Sean Watson and, and you're talking Patrick Mahomes and all, all these different quarterbacks. Ryan Tannehill's in that conversation right now. So it's 45 million, one year guaranteed deal. The Ravens right now, Q, have $27 million in cap space, right around like 27, 28. If you put on a $32 million fully guaranteed cap hit or a $45 million guaranteed cap hit, you can't spread that money out over the course of however many years because it's that one year fully guaranteed deal. So if, if Lamar gets a, let's just throw a number, five years, 250 out there, you can make that first year cap hit, maybe 10 million, maybe 12 million, maybe 15 million, and then have room to do other things with wide receiver or with corner. So in terms of the actual franchise tag queue, if Lamar signs it, obviously, I think it's a good thing he's back and playing with the Ravens. I think he he's their most realistic shot right now to win. But in terms of salary cap-wise, if you have to give all that money to him in terms of a one-year fully guaranteed deal, how much would that hurt the Ravens' ability to do other stuff in the offseason? I think short-term it might hurt. Um, obviously, they're, you know, what, at $26 million or something. And so you're, you're, you're talking about, you know, getting – that money prepared for Lamar. And so, yes, you're right. Parting ways with a, a Marcus Peters or restructuring contracts, you're going to restructure a contract, you know, say the likes of a Justin Tucker might be okay, but, um, you know, what are you going to do? Um, Michael Pierce, Michael Pierce, we know had the uh, torn bicep and uh, pectoral issue. So are you going to, know release him or are you going to restructure him um, where do you have different guys in their plan or in your team plan so that's 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 an awful lot of decision making but that's all a part of the job and uh we know that this was coming we know that you know eric DaCosta talked about uh having a plan in action compared to what they didn't have with joe flacco so they felt, you know, they needed to have all their ducks in a row. And I think, you know, bigger picture wise, this is what makes you either a good um, general manager and a good capologist, uh, Pat Moriarty, or if you're just, you know, running the mill and, and you're going to be struggling. So I think uh, there's a lot of good back and forth, I'm sure, that's going to be happening with a ton of agents trying to make this thing work. Yeah, I we're still still waiting, still hoping a lot of people for this Lamar Jackson extension to get done. I think that is obviously for a lot of people the top choice. But then moving back to offensive coordinator Q, I mean, how much is this kind of in limbo situation with Lamar Jackson? How much do you think that's kind of it, it, not infiltrating, but how much do you think it's impacting the hiring process there? Do you think that there may be a coordinator or two out there who maybe is is a top choice for Baltimore? or second choice for Baltimore, this may be saying, hey, look, this job is, is great, but it kind of hinges to Lamar Jackson. Is, is there a situation where you think that could be holding up the hiring process or could hold up the hiring process for the Ravens, or maybe they might have to move to a different candidate if that's the case? Yeah, you know, I, I think if you look at, you know, the, the, the musical chairs of – not only players, but coaches. I mean, there are only so many offensive coordinator jobs that are out there, 32. <laughs> and so if you feel like you want to, you know, improve your, your opportunities to call uh, plays in this league and you know, 
you know, there's there's this one, the Ravens, sitting right before you. You know, if you got other opportunities, go ahead, go forth into the land of the living. You know, you you saw Kellen Moore. Uh, didn't even seem like it was 24 hours, and he was scooped up by um, San Diego. So, yeah, I think all these coordinators or potential coordinators uh, know that um, when the music stops, you better have a chair. And so it's not it's not about leverage per se that they are holding back on the Ravens or even the Ravens are playing hardball. But I think also at the same time, yeah, you know what? If, if I have an opportunity and you like me and, and I think this is a good fit for me and my style of offense, I'm doing it. I'm taking it. And, and it makes sense because you're right. There, there are very limited opportunities for people to become offensive coordinators in this league. And I think a lot of the guys they've interviewed so far, whether they are up and coming guys or veteran coaches, they're all very qualified for the job. But when you're talking about this, this process cue, how, how long is too long? for a team to look at an offensive coordinator. Obviously we've been without Greg Roman as the Ravens offensive coordinator for what's coming up on a couple of weeks now. Is there maybe a, a specific time or, or, you know, month where you're thinking if the Ravens don't have a guy hired and maybe other teams are starting to make their move for their guys and guys are slowly coming off the market where you're thinking this is taking too long for the Ravens to make a decision. Uh, it's called the NFL draft. <laughs> like I, I think if you had, you know, a Greg Roman style offense and you know, you covet running backs, you know, you covet uh, tight ends. Um, you're going to want a certain style of uh, offense alignment, you know? Um, yeah. That that's where shoot. If you're not Greg Roman's offense, which you're not going to be now, who do you like, you know, Maybe the big receiver package is something that you like, or you like, you know, you have an affinity for that that small, um, you know, five eleven, you know, just barely six foot guy, but he's a burner. Um, you know, you might like a guard that can, you know, be more of a of a zone block scheme compared to uh, a power blocking man type of uh, um, technique, you know, those are things that you would want to have a coordinator, you know, be able to talk to, you know, the scouts, do his own scouting, do his own level of communicating as far as what he wants. So you can implement that in the draft to get the talent that's needed to win. Yeah. And these process, it takes, it takes, a different amount of time for every team, you know, some Ravens, I feel like are really making sure because with, with the Don Martindale, Mike McDonald transition, that did not take long whatsoever. And we know that mm -hmm. firsthand cue because we recorded right before it happened. But at the same <laughs> time for this situation, it feels like, again, they're, they're interviewing multiple candidates, internal, external, they're going to make sure they get the right guy here. So maybe if it takes a little longer than some of these teams, I know the Lamar Jackson situation also might complicate it a tiny bit. It's all stuff that kind of goes into one big thing. So we're just, we're just waiting for one domino to fall. Hopefully that domino is a Lamar Jackson extension. You're right. It feels like if that happens, it will just, everything else will fall into place. But coming up, we'll be taking a trip down memory lane, talking about those 2000 Ravens and those 2012 Ravens. So be sure to stay tuned. Still a lot to dive into here on Locked on Ravens. But first, 
This episode is brought to you by TurboTax. And go to TurboTax and don't do your taxes. Meet with an expert who will do them for you. TurboTax expert can relieve you from the stress of taxes and file for you so you can do not taxes. Show your eyes things that are not taxes. Unpack a moving box of not taxes. Taste not taxes. Sing not taxes a lullaby. Hope not taxes. Sleeps through the night. Grab a saddle and ride not taxes into the sunset. Where TurboTax, an expert, will do your taxes from start to finish, ensuring your taxes are done right, guaranteed so you can relax. It feels good to be done with your taxes, doesn't it? Come to TurboTax and don't do your taxes. Visit TurboTax.com to learn more into what TurboTax. Full service products only video meeting while expert does your taxes required. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com slash guarantees. And this episode is brought to you by Tommy John. In winter mornings, they can be absolutely brutal. And, and here in Baltimore, it feels like we have one warm-ish day per week, but then it goes back down to like the 30s, 40s, even some 20s here. So here's my tip for tackling the day in comfort. Grab new Tommy John loungewear and take cozy wherever you go. When you start the year in Tommy John, you're that much more comfortable so you can do everything better. Tommy John loungewear, pajamas, and underwear have dozens of comfort innovations like luxurious soft tri-blend and micromodal fabrics with four-way stretch and no limp balls or even fuzz with over 20 million pairs sold. In thousands of five-star reviews, people love Tommy John. That's why Tommy doesn't have customers. They actually have fanatics. Like this one Tommy John fanatic who raves. I bought one pair of loungewear and after wearing them for two days, got all the other clothes available. The only place I don't wear them is in the shower. So there's a lot that Tommy John has to offer a lot of different products that are super warm and super, super comfortable. Plus it's all backed by Tommy John's best pair everywhere, or it's free guarantee. And on top of all of that, all Tommy John loungewear is machine washable and dryer safe because dealing with dry cleaning is no way to start the year. So be sure to get 20% off your first order at tommyjohn.com slash locked on. 20% off right now at tommyjohn.com slash locked on. See site for details. We return. It's our final segment of Locked On Ravens. Kevin Allstriker is still talking with Kadri Ismael and Q. I had the pleasure of interviewing the co-directors for the Bullies of Baltimore. 30 for 30 that's coming out on ESPN again, February 5th, 8.30 p.m., that 2000-2001 that Super Bowl winning team. And, hey, you know, I, I have a member of that team right here, right now with me, in you. <laughs> and I, I have to ask you a couple of questions about it because, obviously, that team so historic on defense and everything that that defense brought. I mean, you being on that sideline queue and watching that defense each and every week just go out there guys didn't want to go out there on Sunday and play that 2000 Ravens defense. And you had guys out there like Ray Lewis and Rob Woodson and, and all those players. What was it like for you watching that defense just work every week? I was thoroughly impressed by the way every week they would literally uh, just be so prepared. Marvin Lewis like left no stone unturned. Yeah, Jack Del Rio, linebacker coach, who was my teammate in Minnesota, very, very heads-up, smart, heady linebacker, giving wisdom to a young Ray Lewis. Yeah, Rod Woodson, who was uh, just a phenomenal safety at the time and now Hall of Famer. Um, they just made it look easy. And our defensive front, like was just nasty. Big Sam Adams and the late great Tony Saragusa, uh, the way in which Rob Burnett um, and and Michael McCrary was just as in a such a positive way. I say this, he was so selfish. He just coveted sacks and the attention 
that the sacks were bringing, and that's all he wanted, and that's all he could think about. You didn't even have to blitz because you had such a dominant up front. Like, that's just unheard of. I mean, just to to really dominate a team and and I mean it it just it it, it was it was yeah <laughs> hey how many points y'all need to win we we all we need is just 10 this week 10 points I mean they were they were unbelievable yeah and I mean I know I know the offense you were a part of went you know went through some ups and downs throughout the course of the season but when it mattered Q you know, 34 points in the Super Bowl is nothing to scoff at when you talk about you you making plays in there, other guys making plays. Can you talk a bit about that playoff run and just how the intensity that it was? Because really, the, the defense, they were able to go out there and, and just shut teams out. But, you know, you got to do it on both sides. And, and the offense did their job when it came down to it, even if you didn't need a ton of points every week. Yeah, they did. Um, they did what needed to be done. Uh, obviously, Brian Billick, um, and and what Matt Cavanaugh, as our offensive coordinator, um, did as far as the adjustments and things that they had to do, you know, to help the team kind of find its itself. Tony Banks started off as the quarterback, and we really thought, you know, he's going to be four thousand yard passer, and you know, at, at minimum twenty eight TDs, uh, turn into a Trent Dilfer benching. Um, Trent Dilfer comes up. And Trent takes the, the the reins, and I think you know Tony Banks. You know he was a professional about it, and you know he didn't really you know complain. Just obviously did his job. He was disappointed, I'm sure. Um, but then at the same time with Trent, you know he had to find his way and make it his team, which he did. Um, it became a inside the throwing lanes uh, to the tight ends, then out to myself, uh, Brandon Stokely. Um, at times, you would see guys making plays. You would also have tremendous special teams and Jermaine Lewis, who is just a playmaker unto himself. So ultimately, that year was a, a challenging year um, in, in so many ways for our offense. And for me personally, uh, arguably one of my toughest years because I was dealing with a uh, – a grade two MCL sprain all year long. But uh, at the end of the day, we were all champions and hey, the legacy was was established. Yep, that, that, that's at the end of the day, exactly what matters. But you kind of mentioned how tough of a year it was for you. Can you kind of take everybody through your experience throughout the entire course of the season? You know, any any stories that you have from that year and, and just what those memories are for you now looking back on it? I mean, I got so many stories. Goodness, you can, you know, ask me and I'll tee up the the crazy thing, one of the stories that I think really helped us be more like, okay, this is Trent's team. We're playing Tennessee at Tennessee. Tennessee has not lost a game. And in the Delphi Coliseum, we go. It was the Lions' den. Uh, that team was as uh, just stacked with talent as it got. Um, their crowd, it arguably, would go toe to toe with any stadium in in the league and even in league history. Uh, you can talk about the Chiefs today, or you could talk about the Saints when they had Drew Brees and going on their run. But there was no place louder in my 
uh, opinion than what it was at the Delphia Coliseum uh, in the Tennessee Titans. And, you know, Trent, we, we call Seattle, which was all slants, double slants. And Trent throws a, a pick, turned into a pick six. And the crowd literally erupts. And we, of course, get the kickoff, take it back out there. We go out to the field. You cannot hear. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is crazy. And, and Trent's like, guys, guys, bring it in. Hey, listen, I know I messed up. That's okay. We're going to take the ball down the field, and we're going to score. And you're like, all right, we're going to score. And sure enough, we're going down the field. I think Greg Williams is their defensive coordinator. And literally, he calls. He's been calling it. He's similar to the modern-day uh, Wink Martindale, calling all-out blitzes, zero blitzes. He called it zero blitz. And I, I was like, I took off. I was like, yeah, I'm about to get the ball. The go-to receiver. This is me. Sure enough, I look up. Trent throws the ball to me. And the safety, like, literally was sitting there. I was like, Bruh, if you don't get out of my way, it's either going to be pass interference or I'm going to catch a touchdown. What would you like to do? Sure enough, I'm going up. Bah, 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 he hits me. Boom. Pass interference. We get it at the one-yard line. We call quick sprint right 19. Patrick Johnson, quick sprint right. Boom. Goes into the flat. Catches the touchdown. Quick sprint right 19. And we win the game. And who is the uh, my famous, I guess, quote that uh, was made into NFL films. Who's the only team to beat the Tennessee Titans in the Delphia Coliseum? And then I'm looking around and, of course, got my Ravens helmet with the logo on it. I pointed to the logo saying, well, if you picked the Baltimore Ravens, you were right. That quote and some other quotes were put up on the big screen at the Delphia Coliseum in the playoffs. And the crowd and the energy and like, it, you know, obviously it didn't happen. Thank goodness. But you thought literally people were going to run out of the stands and try to fight us. And it was that kind of a just unbelievable pregame hatred intensity. Like people think the, the Steeler Ravens rivalry was all that. Not that I'm downplaying it, but it was nothing compared to the Titans and the Ravens rivalry, nothing. And so that playoff game was was epic. And to shut him up, Ray Lewis with the interception off of Eddie George and, and Steve McNair and him running in the whole nine yards. Uh, Anthony Mitchell with a block dog on field goal. I mean, who blocks a field goal and scores a touchdown? Like, who does that? So I can keep going. But pretty much it was an amazing, special uh, year that that, you know, you talk about Going into uh, Oakland, <laughs> Tony Saragusa. I'm going to be at uh, Jimmy's Famous Seafood for the uh, <clears throat> watch party that they're going to have. And I'm going to wear my uh, teammate's jersey. Um, ha. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, he, was, he was just one of a kind. And... Um, yeah, it's just hard to believe that he's not here, but uh, I'm going to wear his jersey, and, and I'm going to sit there, and I'm going uh, to remember all those moments real fondly 
of him and all my teammates and and Orlando Bobo, um, who you know he wasn't the household name that uh, people will remember, or Milt Jackson, who uh, was my receiver coach, who people uh, won't remember as well. But uh, bless all of them, bless all of them. Chuck Evans, who was uh, Pat Ricard before Pat Ricard even knew what was what with football as a fullback. Um, but yeah, man, just bless, bless, bless times, bless memories. And uh, was really grateful, very, very grateful to uh, to be a Baltimore Raven then and, and to live that legacy. Yeah, and this is, I'm so happy that the team was able to get this documentary, <laughs> get this film and kind of have everything put into this special that really encapsulates everything. I mean, you talk about, like, if you want to put words on that year, I think intensity is one of them. Personality, the team that you're on, you so much personality throughout the entire one one to fifty three, everybody, and I think Tony's number one on that list in terms of, in terms of the personality he had. But it's not just the two thousand Ravens that you have to talk about today. It's also those two thousand twelve Baltimore Ravens. This is actually today, February third, the ten year anniversary of that Super Bowl win. Obviously, Joe Flacco went and did his thing. Eleven touchdowns, no interceptions. So I want to end this episode by talking about that team, Q, and just what you remember from a playoff run where they had to beat the Colts at home, then go into Denver and beat that Peyton Manning-led team, then go into Foxborough and beat that team, and then beat those Jim Harbaugh and Greg Roman-led 49ers in New Orleans in the Super Bowl. Yeah, you know, I think uh, being a part of that broadcast uh, team was was just unbelievable. Uh, that, that was as magic of a ride as there ever been for me um, in my professional broadcast career. Um, I mean, the way in which that team just, you know, they didn't look like they were going to win anything towards the end of the year. Like, it looked like it was terrible. I think they won uh, two out of their five last five games or something. And, and you know, I think uh, I remember Art Jones said Ed Reed came up to him <clears throat> and simply said, hey, man, we need more from you. And from that point forward, you saw just a different Art Jones. Jamil McLean, after they lost, I think, what was it Denver they lost to or something at home or something? They got whooped up on. Not Denver. Who was it? They lost somebody towards the end of the year. And, you know, I was in the facility about to film a show. And he goes, you know what? I think we can win a Super Bowl. I think we're going to get in the playoffs. All we got to do is just get in. Once we're in, I think we can win the Super Bowl. And I was like, Jamel, man, bro, you guys are like really struggling. They uh, whooped up on Eli Manning. And he's like, he came over to me when, when I was in the post game. He's like, I told you, watch. So from that point forward, what we saw was just a, a team that was just determined. They might not have had the, the crazy weird uh, swagger that, that, the 2000 team did, but they had some horses and they had a team that just had an unrelenting um, resolve to finish. And by the time they got to Foxborough, my goodness, man, that was, was unbelievable. I mean, I, I thoroughly, if there was a game that I said, I just thoroughly loved the fact that you're beating up on a team. It was that Foxborough game at Fox. I'm so glad it wasn't a home game. 
the the crowd, the 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 way in which just uh, ugh, can't stand those New England fans. But I'm telling you right now, mentally, like I'm literally sitting there and saying to myself, like if they win, and sure enough, as that clock struck zero and all those Raven fans that 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 descended onto to Foxborough, like they were just like as raucous and and literally they came over to our radio booth. We're doing our post-game show and 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 they're still in the stadium. And and you know, of course. Now, say you got the sore losers of the uh, the home team um, uh, uh, ushers. And they're all like salty, and we gotta get the security. We gotta get the, the the you know the stadium police. And I'm like, oh, whatever. So anyway, it it just it, it was an unreal, magical ride, best broadcasting experience ever. Love me some Beyonce. I can say I went to three Beyonce concerts and that was one of them and the lights went out and had arguably one of my best uh, broadcasts under extreme conditions ever on a phone. We were doing it on a cell phone and just, we we just making it work. It really was such a, I mean, to have Ray Lewis go out the way that he did after announcing it would be his last ride to send him out on top. And I was at that Beyonce concert too, Q. I was in the stands. I had the little <laughs> ring light they gave everybody and you got you the one, two with the single lady stuff, everything. But just the way that team fought that whole playoff run and, and I, the, the end of that year was not great for them regular season wise, but they got into the playoffs and it's a whole new season in January Four big wins, Joe Flacco. Unbelievable! Still one of the best players. Can we say Anquan Bolden? That is, like, the, I know Joe did his thing. Yeah, and I know Dennis Pitta might have done his thing too. We ain't going anywhere if it wasn't for Anquan Bolden. A hundred percent correct. A hundred, and it still stings a lot of people to this day that Anquan Bolden's tenure ended the way it did after all that he contributed in that playoff run. But a bunch of memories, 2000 Ravens, 2012 Ravens. Q, I really appreciate your time and all the memories you were able to share about both of those teams. And in terms of this present day Ravens team, <laughs> hopefully we'll look back on some of these days in the future and say, Hey, they got their offensive coordinator and whoever the quarterback is, whether it is Lamar or somebody else, and maybe they'll be able to make more memories coming up in this 2023 year. Yeah. I think honestly, this is uh, a, a year that they feel they got a good team every year is a, is a new challenging year. Um, they got some strong pieces in place. Let's see what the capologists can do and let's see what the negotiations can happen for uh, Lamar Jackson and hopefully a coordinator that will fit his dynamic abilities. Yep, a big offseason ahead for the Ravens here. Tons of dominoes to fall, so we'll see how it all unfolds. But that's all I have for you here today on Locked on Ravens. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I'm going to get back on Monday. It'll be more Ravens talk from us over here, so be sure to stay tuned for that. And I will see you right back here on Monday. <laughs> 